Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast, episode number one, two, three, which I just realized right before recording. <laughs> um, kind of fitting for today's guest because it's, I feel like it's so, like it's poetic, you know. Um, and today we're talking to Paul Shearing. Um, Paul is someone who's been on the show before. He was on the Desert Rats um, race reflections when I interviewed a bunch of the other racers from that big race this summer. Uh, and I believe that was episode number 101. Um, so go back and check that out. But uh, man, I just, I just really enjoy talking to Paul. Uh, I met him during that race. We, we shared quite a bit of miles together and and as I was thinking about this show this week and I was like, man, like I feel really like ingratiated and really thankful to know Paul. And I feel close to him, even though I only we hung out for like one week and then we really haven't seen each other since then, besides like texting and talking on the phone every so often. But I was like, why do I feel so close? And I realized it was kind of one of those things where when you go through hard times and also fun times, I guess, you know, I've heard it referred to as type two fun, which is the fun you enjoy later. Even though I'd say we enjoyed a lot of like, you know, it was awesome. It was, you can go back and listen to those episodes where we talk about desert rats. It was such an amazing race, but, um, but I'm like, man, you just become close to someone after that. And I feel like a lot of the people I raced with this summer, I, I really respect and you know we kind of grew to help each other as we went on that adventure through the desert which is super cool um and honestly like Paul's just a great guy he's super funny uh super smart really engaging this podcast that you're about to listen to totally blew my mind um he just has a lot of really good advice and he's able to say it in a way that is really concise and to the point, but also being just like an incredible way of describing, you know, the, the joy of running, the beauty of running. And, you know, part of me thinks like, oh yeah, this guy's, <laughs> he's a, his day job, you know, is a professional writer. He's a screenwriter. Um, and he's written a whole bunch of stuff. You can check, check all that stuff out, uh, created prison break. Um, and so I'm like, oh, of course he's going to say things in like a beautiful, just s s like smart way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just really, I really enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it too. Uh, it's all about a couple of things. It's about the quad dipsy, um, which Paul just finished, like right when I was talking with him. I think we talked a few days later. Um, we talk about writing and how running and meditation is is similar and how it they can all be used to kind of help boost each other like all those activities you can you can run to become a better writer you can meditate to become a better writer and runner and all that stuff uh and then we end it by talking about really quickly really briefly talking about his experience running the marathon de Saab, which is a big stage race in the sahara desert that goes on every year it's kind of one of the biggest stage races out there um so yeah let's just get right into the episode uh if you enjoy this please check out the rest of our shows 
Um, we got all sorts of stuff, everything from ultra running to uh, trying to go to the South Pole to uh, – I'm quickly looking through here. We got some football, some football talk every so often, mountain biking, climbing Everest, all that stuff. Uh, really, it's – when I think about this, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of like ultra running podcasts out there which are awesome. I, I really enjoy listening to those. I listen to a whole bunch of them, um, every, you know, throughout the week. Uh, but for me personally, I want this to kind of be about all sorts of topics, uh, that tie into adventure and tie into accomplishing your goals. And, uh, I think this episode with Paul here is probably one of the better episodes at tying those ideas together. Cause there is a fair amount of ultra running talk on here. But we also get into so much more uh, mindset, meditation, all that stuff. So uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying that. I really do. I really appreciate you guys listening, tuning in. Um, if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you so much for checking it out. Uh, you can support us by subscribing on iTunes or just going back and checking out some of the old episodes. So, all right, let's get into this. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast, episode number 123 with Paul Shearing. All right, well, we got Paul here, man. And I got to tell you, I'm kind of disappointed we're not doing video because I'm wearing the same yellow shirt that I wore at Desert Routes the whole week. Have <laughs> you have you taken it off since? I haven't, no. My wife's like, are you wearing that shirt and you're going to talk to Paul? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, he's going to think that's all you wear. I'm like, that's what I want them to think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the romantic image I have of you. Our time in the desert together. That's right. And then she told me we, uh, we busted our sleeping bags last night and had a slumber party by the Christmas tree. Uh, with the kids and so I had my sleeping bag busted out and she's like does this feel like your time in the desert I'm like yeah except uh you know Bob's not sleeping next to me so kind of bummed yeah Bob Stuka yeah I, was, yeah, I mean I mean to ask you we'll circle back to him but uh did, well I'll ask you right now did he did you ever remember he was going to do the you know 49 cents yeah birthday? did he ever do that were you ever part of that I need to reach out to Bob because I kept meaning to. And that week came up when I knew he was going to try running up and down those stairs a billion times. And uh, I forgot to, Oh, I didn't forget to reach out. I just didn't reach out. So I need to do that <laughs> and see what happened. Yeah. I guess also, I mean, so people, I guess know who, what we're talking about. Uh, what was the name of, the, of, of those stairs? Uh, the Manitou incline. Yeah. And so, uh, Bob Stoop is one of the guys we ran with in the desert. And he, um, He's a little bit of a madman, and uh, Just a you know, there's nothing he can't do. And so he thought he was going to do 49 ascents and descents for his 49th birthday. And uh, Chris was kind of saying, well, I'll, I'll go with you for one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I got one in me. <laughs> yeah. That guy's legs which are is, bigger. Which is than, most and more than mortals. Yeah, his yeah. legs are bigger than a tree trunk, though. So I believe it. I believe he could handle it. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's partially that, but it's also he's got that look in his eye, you know, which is just like, you know, it's the thousand yard stare in a five yard room, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you just realize that guy's not quite on the same plane as us. So maybe <laughs> maybe he's doing it right now. He might. Dude, he probably is. He trains on it all the time, <laughs> which is why he's like, you know, in such good shape. So, yeah, man. But, dude, I want to hear about the quad dipsy because I, I remember you talked about that this summer and then uh, – just so happened that that was the race that was going on this weekend. So how'd it go? 
Uh, quad is interesting. It's it's one of these things where I'm always, you know, I don't plan on doing it. Um, and then, you know, I kind of front load the season, you know, in the spring and in the summer with the races that I'm doing. And, you know, then I'm on fumes by the end of the summer. Uh, and it's really time to rest. But then somebody always talks me into it. And last year, my wife had said, you know, three weeks before, she said, just see if there's any spaces. And I'm like, there's no spaces. It's a totally stacked event. Uh, but I went online, and sure enough, there was a space. So <laughs> I ran it last year, even though I was totally unprepared. Because um, I signed up, I think, like three weeks before, as I said. And then this year, uh, there's a guy down the coffee shop downtown here in Mill Valley who's, uh, who's, you know, he runs hundreds of stuff. And he was saying, you know, we should sign up for the quad. And I said, well, yeah, we could do that. And, and he said, um, yeah, well, I just looked, and it's sold out. But let's get on the, let's get on the, uh, the, on the wait list. Uh, and I said, all right, I guess so. Cause you know, whenever, whenever it's six months away and there's a wait list or anything like that, where it's not real, yeah, <laughs> you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Um, and sure enough, uh, they, you know, sent an email out like three weeks ago and said, yeah, you know, space is cleared up. You want to do it? So for some reason he didn't do it, <laughs> No <laughs> but, way. Uh, but no I was, way. Uh, I was left holding the bag where, uh, I'm like, all right, man, I guess I'm going up and down the mountain four times. But, um, <laughs> and same thing as last year, totally unprepared, but, you know, I mean, as you know, like doing stage races and these races that are just way too long, um, even if you're not totally prepared, as long as you've got a basic uh, foundation and you just don't freak out mentally, you know, and you stay in it and, you know, you don't kill yourself by running too hard too early, you know, you can really make it happen. So I wasn't, I wasn't dreading it. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, it was a really big field, you know, I can't even, I think there was three to 400 people, which is a lot for that trail. Cause you know, there's a lot of back and forth in some of the narrow channels, you know, like, um, like steep ravine. Um, and it had rained, you know, pretty intensively for the last three days before that. And so this, the course was pretty muddy. Um, but you know, everyone's in good spirits and it's just such a, it's such a social group, you know, that you're passing, you know, back and forth, you know, as all, all your different legs start overlapping, you know, cause, cause there's, you know, you go, you start Mill Valley, you go over the top of Stinson, then you come back to Mill Valley then you turn around and go back and do that again. Um, so you're constantly overlapping with people going in, in opposite directions and everyone's really pretty cool and fired up and constant, you know, I, I, I must, you know, I must've said and heard, you know, good job, like 20,000 times. <laughs> so I'd be past people. I'd be like, what else can I say just to mix it up? I know that's <laughs> yeah. Know? Like as a, I, I was just talking about this with someone as a Midwesterner, that almost sounds horrifying where you're like, I'm going to pass like 100 people on this day. And you're like, oh, my God, I have to say good job to every single one of them because that's polite. That's, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, because I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I was born in Illinois and I, and, I, and I spent my, you know, early years there. And so I have that in my system. And I feel like it's not cool to pass somebody on the street and make <laughs> eye contact without saying something. Yeah. Did you, nice. did you come up with uh, anything else? Oh man, uh, you know, you know, the first pass, I'm like, okay, good job, and then you know, the second, the second leg, I'm like, all right, I can start thinking about, you know, different things to say, and you know, calling out their number and their, you know, their hat, you know, whatever, just anything to to be yeah. different, you know, than the first pass, because you know, these people I see on rerun now, because you're trying to pass, <laughs> yeah, they're like that guy's just using the same material. <laughs> And then by like the fourth leg, you're so brain dead. I'm just like, good job. You're like, good job. <laughs> Am I doing a good job? <laughs> um, yeah. But, you're starting uh, yeah. to so ask we'll, them for, uh, yeah. like, please tell me I'm know. doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, 
I mean, in, in you know, successive uh, legs were just each one was, you know, slower and slower. And at the end, I'm like, dude, I just got to make a finish line. And uh, it's always that magical thing where, you know, you're half hour out, 20 minutes out from the finish line. And you're like, dude, this is hell. And I, I literally don't have anything left. I mean, I think my legs are going to fall off. And then you suddenly you cross the finish line, you sit down, you're like, oh, man, life is great. There's no problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm signing up for this again right away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm shattered today. I mean, there's just so many steps and all that. And so, it's like you know, that's it's usual. a lot of elevation, right? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that before I got on with you, and it was like, you know, I, I wonder if I characterize it that way or not. Because, I mean, I think for most people, because it's, you know, it's like, I believe it's just short of 29 miles, and it's like 10,000 feet of climbing. Okay. Um, so I think for most people, that's pretty significant. But I also don't want to go on there and go, oh, the ele- you know, the elevation was insane. It's almost like, dude, have you done hard rock? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, those are the numbers, and people can kind of decide for themselves if yeah. that's a lot or a little. When you first started talking about this, when you said quad dipsy, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. has something to do with your quads. Like they're in pain <laughs> and you dip into the sea. Cause I was like, he's by California or he's, <laughs> he's in California. <laughs> well, the trail, I mean, the, the Dipsy trail is, you know, the race itself, you know, has always been a single. I mean, the famous Dipsy race is the single, which is, which is, I think 7.2 miles. I think and okay. it starts in Mill Valley and it goes over the top to Stinson beach, you know, out there in, in the Pacific. Uh, and so maybe the Dipsy did come from that because I know the trail itself is called Dipsy, and so I don't know if the origin of the trail is based upon people dipping their toes in the sea. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Um, but the single Dipsy is crazy. I mean, I've run the single, and I've run the double, and I've run the quad. And honestly, the single is like the hardest race I've ever run because that's like you get this elite field of people that just sprint the whole way. Wow. And I mean, it's there's just these steep steps going up right at the very beginning. And you try to be a hero there, and you're out of gas within, like, two minutes of the race. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Um, and so, you know, I I hustled my ass off in that race and still did terrible. And I'm like, dude, I don't ever want to run that fast again. That is so unpleasant. And, you know, running is as weird as it for a lot of people to hear. I mean, for me, personally, it's just, dude, it's a lot easier, a lot less stressful to just go, all right, I can take my time and just keep going. Yeah. As opposed to just balls to the wall, just full on hauling up and down hills. And, you know, that also might be a function of being 49 now, but I don't know. Just running that, the single, just the sprint version of the Dipsy is just, uh, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, man. That's, that is, it's like when you, or if you know, you sign up for a 5K and you're like, this will be a piece of cake. And then five minutes in, you were redlining. And you're like, this was a huge mistake. Oh, my God. <laughs> And the thirteen-year-old dudes are just sprinting by you. You're oh like, yeah, dude! I can't have thirteen-year-olds sprint by me. I get so competitive. I'm like, no, I'm not going to get beat by a thirteen-year-old. Are you kidding me? And then they do, and you're like, no, <laughs> no. I think I finally made my peace with that. You know, I mean, I got the usual bail kind of, you know, <laughs> competitiveness. But but I also, you know, I mean, on one level, it's like your body starts to not be able to do the same things as you get in your late forties. Cause I felt like I was bulletproof. I was like 46 and then to just 
suddenly like 46, 47, 48. I'm like, what, what's happening? I don't understand, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I think also parallel with that is just this kind of, you know, reprioritization of midlife where you're just like, dude, I can't spend my time being unrealistically competitive with people. I just gotta, I gotta be out there and run for the running itself, you know? Yeah. Um, as, a, as opposed to the fleeting kind of result you get at the end. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So, How'd you come yeah, to that I conclusion? Mean, I mean, I, re- I just remember we had some really long discussions and one of the first things we talked about was uh, meditation and like a 10 day silent meditation retreat, which is just one of the craziest things I think someone could go do. Um, yeah, I, I've done a number of uh, silent retreats. You know, I think the one you were talking about is one I did down in, uh, in Joshua tree. Um, and it's just, you know, it's cool to get, you know, to sit back and observe, you know, to see, you know, all your hangups and your sticks and all the things that you're kind of, you know, cycling through your head all the time and, you know, kind of just following along without really kind of really seeing it with some, you know, quote unquote objectivity. Um, and, you know, I think I started meditating about 15 years ago. And and what was so striking to me was, you know, of course, like everyone else, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, I'm terrible. I can't do this. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly there was this moment where it was like, I don't know, a quarter second of silence. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, that's the first time I've stopped thinking in seven years. <laughs> wow. Um, and it was really shocking to me because I just realized up until that moment, it's just like one thought had dominoed into the next, into the next, into the next for seven years. Wow, and man. Like, no wonder I'm so strung out. And, and no wonder I had to come to the desert and like, you know, kind of reset. Um, and it's paid an enormous amount of dividends. I mean, I, I just can't advocate for, for meditation enough. Yeah. What I, I, the way I imagine it is that it's really hard and difficult and painful to sit in meditation. And I know there's aspects to the day where you're not just sitting there meditating, but how much of it is peaceful? Cause I feel like this is kind of like the stage race thing where I went in with this expectation of like, this is going to be really hard most of the time. And then it turned out it was just a lot of fun most of the time. Yeah. You know, I I was thinking about that a little bit. Um, and so, so I grew up playing baseball and all the ball sports and everything. And, and one of the things, you know, in terms of kind of optimizing your brain for those types of sports is, you know, now I'm coaching my son in Little League. Um, and you're always kind of, you know, when we were younger, we were being coached. Uh, and now that I'm the coach, I am coaching. But they got to forget the last play, right? Because, you know, one of the biggest things in ball sports is carrying the last play with you and, you know, letting that screw up your next in your next play, right? Uh, and then I start reflecting on running um, and, and meditation and and even writing, which uh, is, is my profession, Um and it occurred to me that it was, you know, all those kind of involve the opposite. It's not erasing the past. It's actually erasing the future, right? Because, um, you know, the great dread in running, like, you know, how they say, whoever it was that said, you know, running is 90% mental and the other 10% is in your head. <laughs> um, and so much of that is just, you know, so much of the difficulty in running is anticipation. You know, it's just like, I can't keep doing this. Right. And, you know, what's implicit in that statement, you know, you're taught, you're, you're thinking about the future and sustaining this effort into the future. Right. 
But I've found over time the way that I get through something like the Dipsy yesterday or Quad Dipsy when I was totally unprepared is just you just got to keep erasing the future. It's just like whenever the thought of the future comes up, you just got to go, yeah, no, that doesn't exist. Um, and that's, you know, it's not perfect, a perfect analog with meditation because, you know, you're not actively trying to unthink something or forget something in meditation. But when your mind invariably goes to the future or the past in meditation, you just, you sit there and you just go, oh, that's a thought about the future. Oh, that's a thought about the past. And then you don't let it get purchased, right? It just, it just passes through your consciousness. And then whatever next thought or, you know, sensation that you have comes up. Um, but I guess, I guess it's a very long-winded way of saying that there, all these disciplines are similar in the sense that you can't let, you know, anxiety and dread about your next steps in running or, you know, the next five minutes sitting on the cushion in meditation or the next 50 pages you got to write in your book um, undermine the process itself, the, the actual current work that you're doing. Um, and I think that's an enormous skill for people to have, and it's something that I'm constantly trying to cultivate because I think within that is a lot of peace. Yeah. Wow, man. Dude, I got to say, you're like the coolest person I know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met me? <laughs> yeah, man. I was like, whoa, that's just such a well-thought-out answer because as you were talking about that and saying that about running, letting go of the future, I was like, what would my dumb way of putting this be? You know, I was trying to think like, if I was summarizing this, what would be the dumb way of putting this? And I was like, here's how I'd put it. I'd be like, can't think about the pizza and beer at the end until you're holding the pizza and beer. <laughs> but, but maybe that's good though. I, I mean, maybe that version of things is good because I mean, to be fair, like, you know, there were moments on like the fourth leg of the quad yesterday. I'm like, you know, because it was getting cold. Cause I yeah. was, you know, there was still residual water in the trees and the redwoods and they, you know, you run through it and the water drips down on you and you're getting cold the whole bit. Um, and I've just a number of times I'm like, you know, it'd be great is just to go back. Cause I actually live across the street from the starting line. Oh, no way. <laughs> uh, oh, that'd be hard. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it'd be great. is just to go back to my house, go upstairs in the bathroom and just get in the shower and turn on really hot and just lay on the floor of the shower for like two hours <laughs> yeah. as opposed to running over this hill for the next two hours. Uh, so I hear you, man. I mean, sometimes that's the motivator. Yeah. Well, it's weird because you, the ending is such a driving factor sometimes, but you also can't yeah. let yourself get obsessed with it um, because then yeah, you're I mean, missing I guess, out. I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess there's two ways you can look at it. One of which is, you know, looking to the future with dread, right? Which is, oh, dude, I got 24 more miles to do. I can't do that. I mean, those, th those, those thoughts just don't help you yeah um but maybe maybe there's that whole version of things that you're talking about which is but here's the reward if i can just keep my eyes on the reward uh then i can persist uh it's just the problem is is you know what i find so often the case is when you just shot the pieces yeah i mean you know all the chemicals in your body everything is just creating this dark you know often dark mindset you know and pessimistic and negative and why am i doing this mindset you know as opposed to everything's great i love this yeah, yeah um so more often than not those thoughts about the future at least in my experience are just you know they're kind of they don't help yeah no that makes sense do you so like to connect running and meditating with with writing do you use like are you thinking of ideas 
for writing while you're running or or is it like a break i guess because it's kind of like you know that's your job your day job is a writer and i feel like part of me would be like okay i want to run and just naturally ideas will come up but then you probably want to use it as a break also yeah i mean that that's a whole yeah i mean that's a whole can of worms in in and of itself but um it used to be when i was younger i'd be like yeah i'm gonna go out you know hike or run or whatever and you know work on story points and all that stuff uh but then um you know i was an obsessive writer for you know 15 or 20 years and then i realized that you know i've got to i've got to you know check out you know i've got to you know i've got to clock out at the end of the day um and so i did a very good job of just you know compartmentalizing and and you know if i was writing during the day and i come home and just have dinner and be with my family i wouldn't think about work i don't i don't at all that's awesome like i don't sit up in the middle i don't sit in the middle of night i don't do any of that stuff and so for running uh i don't proactively, you know, ruminate. I don't, I don't try to sort things out and solve story problems. Um, but I mean, as you know, um, running just totally, totally just, you know, gets the neurons firing and those unbidden, you know, little moments where, you know, the inspiration strikes. I mean, absolutely that happens all the time, but those are just like little, little bonus nuggets, you know, I, I, I'm not seeking them out. I'm not multitasking while I'm running. Cause to me, if I went out with that as a mandate, I would be so stressed out, you know, cause I'm like, Oh, now not, not only do I need to run 10 miles a day, but I also <laughs> got to figure out chapter three. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, my brain would explode. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you, do you have to stop and be like, Oh, that was a good idea. I got to write it down or I'll forget it. Or are you just really good at remembering? Well, no, no. What's fun now is with the iPhone is you have the voice recorder app. Ooh, right? there you go. Uh, yeah, and that thing's just that thing's golden for ideas because um, you just you don't even have to stop running. You just bring it, you know, bring yeah. it up and just say, "Oh, great idea for chapter three, Blah blah blah. The funny part is transcribing it when you come back. You know, <laughs> you know, you know how bad li- like listening to your own voice is. You know, you're like, "I said it like that," but then you hear it when you're out on the trail and you're like gasping while you're sitting out beside you, and you're like. Dude, yeah. what a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever recorded anything like out loud but in front of somebody where you're there it, they would be like really confused? Um like have you been like and that's when the janitor murdered right. that guy. <laughs> They're like, "What? I'm going to stab you in the heart, mister." <laughs> That was dialogue. That was dialogue. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you you turn to the people you're like, "I promise." And they're like, Slowly no, no, backing it's a story. Away. I'm writing a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that hasn't happened. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, it's it, it is interesting because I was trying to think about that earlier because running is such a it's it's an individual activity, and you're out there, you're with your own thoughts, you're completely by yourself, and I feel like writing would be really, really similar in that in that sense. Yeah, you know, and and again, I think this whole kind of, you know, reflection upon writing and meditation and running for me is, you know, these are things that I've really kind of embraced um, pretty seriously in my life. And, you know, as I approach 50, I'm like, well, who am I? Let me look at my belly button a little longer and figure it out. Um, But then you start looking at the things, you know, that you spend a lot of time doing. Uh, and I say, you know, what, what, what's the commonality with those things? And, you know, what's the process of those things and the abstracts of those things? And, and why do I do them? Um, and I realize there's kind of that through line, which is, you know, there's a certain endurance aspect to all of them, 
right? Which is to, you know, and also a certain aspect of just being in the moment where you kind of have to erase, erase the results and the expected results and just keep checking in and, and, and keep doing it, you know? Uh, and the reward is, is the thing itself as you do it. Um, and I think, I think that's a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the process, I are you t kind of talking about the process here is really the reward at the end of the day? Yeah, because, um, you know, so I, I've taught at some seminars for, for writing workshops and what have you. Um, and, you know, I always see these young aspiring writers and they constantly kind of, you know, uh, regurgitate what other people have taught them, you know, other quote unquote professional writers. And, and often, you know, what the professional writer says is, you know, they, they think they're being cute, but they say, I don't like writing, but I like having written. Right. Yeah. Um, and I hate that answer. That sounds right? pretty terrible. Oh. If you're going to be a writer, that sounds pretty like that would be miserable. Right. If you didn't like what you're right. doing. But what, you know, I mean, you know, reducing it, you know, massively. I mean, it basically says is I'm engaged in something that I hate <laughs> for, for the end result, whether that is money or a pat on the back and someone telling you you're great. Um, and I think that that's also true with running, which is to say, you know, when I talked about the single dipsy versus quad dipsy, you know, when I was running as hard as I could, really trying to, you know, reach some, you know, place on the podium or a certain time, you know, get in the top five or 10 or whatever it was, you know, I was killing myself for an hour or two hours to do these things. Uh, and, you know, you might place really well at an event here or there, but I don't know, for me personally, like, you get a third place or an age group overall or whatever, you're pretty fired up for about five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then you're already thinking about the next one. But, you know, if you're spending two hours of running really hard like that, not to mention all the training you got to do to get to that shape, uh, and then you're really not enjoying any of that running and you're only enjoying the, the you know, the results for about five or 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a really bad trade off. That makes I mean, you, totally. Just, yeah. That's just, yeah. Uh, numerically. It's just a, you know, it's like, okay, I just spent a hundred hours for being up and miserable <laughs> to get five or 10 minutes of feeling really great about getting first in my age group. <laughs> uh, and it's like, you, you, all you're doing is serving your ego, man. It's like, if you can't, you know, go out there just and enjoy most of the process, then maybe you should be doing something else. Yeah. I mean, that's my own personal opinion and that's where I've gotten to in my life. But, um, I don't know. It's, it's just a way more chill and relaxed place to be. Yeah. No, I get that for sure. Uh, one of the races you, you mentioned, um, when we were running together was the, uh, marathon de Saab, which I think I'm saying that right. <laughs> yeah. The, the yeah. marathon does sables. <laughs> um, the sable. <laughs> can you give us kind of like an overview of that? Like, was that the biggest kind of event that you've participated in? Um, yes. And that was totally out of left field too. I mean, that was a friend of mine, uh, he lives in UK and he said, Hey, you know, he sent me a, you know, he said, Hey man, you want to sign up for this? I'm like, what is it? Uh, and the same thing. It was like, well, we have to sign up for next year. Um, and, and it's, a uh, it's a lottery. Um, so let me know. And so anything, like I said, anything that's a lottery or a wait list, uh, or anything more than six months in the future, is it real? So you're always like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 
and then we got in both of us and i was like well what do we do and it's this whole thing where you know it's you know it's similar to desert wraps that you and i ran together which is you know it's i think the course at marathon to stop like 156 miles over six days or something like that um but the difference is is that a lot more sand i think a lot more dunes and then you have to carry all your gear you have to carry um sleeping bag and you know your map and all your food too for the week um and so you know you're just you know they, they they purposely are putting you over the dunes and kind of over the tougher parts of uh you know the high moroccan uh desert and it's um it was it was one of the most awesome things I ever did. I mean, it was just so stupid. I was just you know when I when I was getting on a plane to fly over, I'm like, I, I, I'm so far over my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I, you know, the only thing I had to go back on was um, my wife and I before you know like ten years ago, just before uh, we decided we were going to have kids, um, and we'd just been married. We decided we were going to go get some of the bigger things done, um, get them out of the way before we started a family. Uh, so one of the things we wanted to do was do the Camino de Santiago in Spain, um, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've heard of but it. That's, um, yeah, it's an old pilgrim's trek from like a thousand years ago that starts from the French border and goes across Spain. Um, it's about 500 miles. Okay. And... I mean, it's so much more chill than what we're talking about, but basically, you know, you're walking 20, 25 miles a day, and again, you're bringing your backpack. I mean, the thing there is, you know, you're stopping, you know, every night and getting a three-course meal and a half a bottle of wine, you know? Oh, that sounds... Dude, that's... Why don't we just do that instead of marathon? No, dude, uh, as soon as I finish, let's do it again. (laughs) Yeah. I've got to do it again. That's awesome. It's like one of the cheapest ways to see Europe, and it's... Oh, man. Anyhow. Uh, But so that was... That was the thing I said. I said, look, man, if I completely implode on this marathon to sob thing, I know that I can walk 25 miles a day with the backpack on. I know oh, I yeah. Can. Okay. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. It's like, I'm like, you know, I know if I just put one foot in front of the other, I'll, I'll survive. Yeah. And I did, you know, and I lost nine toenails and um, learned a lot about ultra running. Um, and then I got, to, I just got the bug after that. You know? Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's, it sounds like such a, I, I think part of it's the travel too, at least it would be for me because I've never been to that area of the world and getting to explore it on foot seems to me more special than just driving around and doing like the tours and stuff like that. Oh, totally. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's a little insular in that, you know, you have a thousand, you know, upper-class gringos from various, you know, European and American cities for the most part, Australia and whatever else, um, that are all traipsing through the desert for a week together, and then they have tent villages and all that. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it is the high Atlas Mountains, and it's, um, you know, the, the best part is, you know, everybody's got their desert gear and their, you know, stage race gear, and, you know, it's all multicolored and everything, and there's just a big train of gringos going through this, the dunes, you know. And you'll pass these, you know, desert towns, these little settlements of like, you know, 50 people or something, and they all just come out and they just sit in the shade and they just watch all the gringos go by <laughs> all day in the yeah. train of misery. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what are these guys doing? Under the noonday sun, right? So everybody's just like this just snaking course of just sufferers just from horizon to horizon going by these villages, you know, for like eight hours. And they just sit there and it's like watching TV. And they're like, wow, what's going on? 
<laughs> and the, the the biggest thing I got from that is I'm like, oh my god, the, the Western version of an endurance race is so much different from like what these people would think. Yeah, it's like if you told these these Moroccans, you know, these Berber, you know, descendants, like. All right, go out in the desert and endure. They'd be like, okay, rule number one, don't walk across the desert in noonday heat. Wait till night and go then and stay in the shade. That's enduring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but like Westerners are so macho, they're like, no, man, I'm going through. I'm going straight through as fast as I can under the heat of the sun, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's because we've all seen Indiana Jones, and that's what we all aspire to be. That's my theory anyways. Yeah. I guess, I guess. Anyhow, it's all all very interesting. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Oh, that's such a... So how did that, like, when you finished that race, like, how did that compare to, uh, like, Desert Rats or something else that, like, a long endurance race you've done? I mean, it's always your first love, right? I mean, that, yeah. that, that was the first thing where I just went so beyond what I thought I could do. Um, and like I said, I mean, you know, the bottom of my feet fell off, you know, I, I, all the, my both bottom of both shoes, you know, I, my shoes were too small cause my feet sw- swelled up. I learned a lesson there. Um, but you know, I had two layers, I mean, literally two layers of blisters on the bottom, you know, first there was the surface, you know, blisters and the blisters <laughs> beneath the blisters. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so the bottom of my feet were raw. I mean, it was disgusting. And then, you know, same thing because my feet swelled. I lost nine of my 10 toenails and I'd never lost a toenail. Which before. wait, hold on. And which thought, which toenail hmm? survived the big toe? Think, you know, good, yeah. I think it was big toe. I can't remember now. That's a good one to keep. Toe. That's a good one to keep. <laughs> um, but but that was really interesting to see that and think, you know, like, because I think the long that's like 53 miles. And, you know, you've already beaten yourself to death, you know, coming up to that day. And I, you know, I remember waking up in the morning and I couldn't even walk. I mean, first my, you know, mus- muscular-wise, my legs were just pretty thrashed. But then, whoop, you there? Yep. Um, but it was really just the horror and pain of my feet where I thought, you know, I, you gotta be realistic, dude. You can't even walk to, you know, a hundred feet to go take a leak from the tent, you know? Um, and now you're going to set out for 53 miles. And so the same thing where it was like, maybe this is one of the early kind of points where the lesson really struck home, but it was like, look, man, start, just start. I mean, there's no way you're going to be able to finish the 53 mile a day, but you know, maybe you can make the first aid station five miles down the road or water station. You know? Um, and sure enough, you know, then, okay, well maybe I can make the next, the next, cause you keep erasing the future. You know, you keep, you keep just saying, just, just be here now and, and get this little bit done and see if you can keep going. And, and suddenly I made it through that day and the next day and the next day. And I, I came home and I was like, Holy cow, I no idea I had that in me. You yeah. know, and I, and I think that's one of the great rewards of endurance running. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the definition of endurance, right? Like just, you keep showing up, you just like do it, right. you keep showing up, you don't, you don't let it overwhelm you or anything like that. Um, which is, I mean, that's why it's so inspiring, you know? And that's why well, I love it, hearing it, these it, stories is like, it shows you that people, what people can take on. Yeah, and, and, you know, circling it back to writing, and I, and I think in a lot of things in life, you know, you know, again, it's like, um, you know, uh, often people ask me, you know, what's the secret to writing? 
uh, and, you know, of course there isn't one. Um, but I always quote Hemingway, you know, because somebody asked him the same question, and Hemingway said, ass plus chair, right? <laughs> Which is, you show up every day, and you glue your ass in the chair, and you start writing, you know? Because this whole willy-nilly notion of inspiration and waiting around, you know, for the for the muse to, to give you a big hug is is absurd. And, you know, I, I've been a bad student, um, pretty much bad at everything uh, in my first half of my life. But the one thing that I could do is I could show up every day to write, you know, yeah. and, and that was the one thing. And I'm still to this day, it's like five days a week, like show up my office, like six hours a day. It's like, that's what I do. And, and that's what it takes. I mean, for anything, um, is just, you got to show up and you got to, you know, forget about the future and just keep cranking and hold yourself accountable, you know? And so again, I, I think all these things are, they're, they're similar skills. They're similar processes. And that's where the reward is, is that you keep, you know, building this body of work and these aptitudes and these confidences. And you're like, man, that's cool. I had no idea that I could run across Morocco or, you know, sell a screenplay or whatever. And you know, that's the real, that's the real gift is that, you know, you look at, you look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and you're like, I like the choices that guy made. You know, that guy's got some character. He's all right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or like I said, that guy's the coolest guy in the world. So, <laughs> well, if you look in the mirror and you say that about yourself, <laughs> you're not the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> I, if you say that, you have to give yourself a double double handgun. You know, like the finger points when you say it. That's the best way to do it. If you're like, I'm the coolest guy in the world, hand points. Hold on, wait a minute. That guy's the coolest guy in the world, and it just happens to be me. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, awesome, man. Dude, the one thing I do, I, I wanted to talk to you real quick. I don't know if you have time, but um, we talked a bit about like survival stories and mm-hmm. why those fascinate us. And it's kind of the same reason as this whole idea of endurance, I think. Um, but do yeah. you have you, – you recommended one to me, and I could not for the life of me – remember the name of it um do you remember what it was yeah. like about a shipwreck and yeah there's so many other shipwreck books i mean whale yeah. ship essex um there is you know obviously everyone knows endurance there's one i just read on north north pole as opposed to south pole it's like uh in the kingdom of ice or something oh yeah i've seen that one okay. um yeah um i can't remember which one we talked about but i'm a sucker for those you know yeah. maritime ones um i could i could reflect and go look at my bookshelf and see if there's something I'm forgetting. But oh, it's, it's, you know, it's that whole thing. Yeah. I went down like a survival story rabbit hole for like a good year and a half where that was the only books I was reading. And I think part of it is you put yourself in that situation and you're like, what would I do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's totally, it's totally the whole you know, you strip, you strip the man or woman down to, you know, just their essentials, which is, you know, their wits and their, their fortitude. Um, and those are always the most interesting stories because it's so evocative for us because, because, you know, the, 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 the less, you know, trappings they have that, you know, that we mistake as the things that, you know, differentiate us, the more they seem us, right? Where it's like, yeah, they're just, you know, some dude with like a pocket knife and a taco and he's got to make it across, you know, the Kalahari. <laughs> and you're like, well, yeah, I can see myself in that position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know how you'd survive that one with the with the taco. I don't know how that'd be useful, really. But well, first of all, you 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 lure out the wildebeest with the taco. Gotcha. Fish, okay, that makes sense. Stab the wildebeest with the knife. With the pocket um, knife. I have no idea. Man. No, that would, no that's idea. how you do it. That's like literally the only solution to that scenario. <laughs> it's the only solution. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, that's what that's what they teach you. <laughs> In pocket <laughs> pocket knife taco training one hundred and one. Uh, that's right <laughs> that's awesome man well paul thank you so much for uh coming on the show man i i just really like talking with you and like i said um you got me through some really hard miles so uh Dude, you, you got that. me through you got me through you kid i talk I'm, to my, my wife about that all the time that's awesome i'm glad your feet have recovered because your feet man you could yeah you could and you should write a whole book just about your feet and how the pains they've been through <laughs> Well, I'm going to try. I'm, somebody was telling me that Tani stuff or whatever it is that, like, you know, you basically cure your feet so they're like, oh. you know, like leather. Um, <laughs> so if we're if we're meeting up in Utah next summer, I'm, <laughs> my feet are going to look like an 80 year old woman from Beverly Hills. Oh my god, I'm so excited for that. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be amazing. <laughs> you want to sleep in the same tent with me, Steve? I do, I do. With those feet, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but all right man we'll, we'll we'll have to catch up with you sometime sometime in the future yep all right. whatever you want all right see you Paul. Bye, brother. yep all right guys that wraps up this week's episode of the like bigfoot podcast paul thank you so much uh truly truly appreciate you got you spending some time talking with me and i just truly enjoyed our conversation and catching up with you man so uh i afterwards after I talked to you. I went out and talked and just uh, walked up to my wife as she was sitting with our daughters. And she's like, how'd it go? And I'm like, that was the, like, that guy's just the coolest. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe Paul. He's just the coolest. Um, but yeah, I love the conversation. It brought a huge smile to my face um, and really actually made me think about a lot of things as it pertains to running and actually trying my best and my hardest to turn off some distractions uh in my life in having some giving myself intentional kind of quiet time to just think things through and because i think something that paul, paul said and this is about a week and a half later when i'm recording this outro but it's resonated with me um he mentioned realizing that for seven years he didn't have quietness in his mind. Like for seven years straight, it went from one thought to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other, and with no break. And I think a lot of us can probably relate to that. I know I can. Um, it's hard to give yourself those quiet moments when you have a busy life, when you have jobs and you have kids and you have family members and friends and coworkers and, and, um, you know, your own personal projects and you're also want to every once in a while, you know, you want to be entertained. You want to watch TV. You want to watch movies. Um, you want to listen to podcasts or music or something, but you need to make sure you're giving yourself time to just sit in quiet and try to calm your mind a bit. And for some of us, it's, it's through running and running without music, running without uh, listening to anything and just going, getting out the door, going for a run, 
you could do it hiking you know it doesn't have to just be sitting in your room by yourself necessarily um because i think that probably is a barrier for a lot of us for meditation is like oh i just gotta i have to sit here in my in my basement quietly like i don't know the appeal to that versus going on a hike in nature but like intentionally going by myself and not bringing the phone or you know putting the headphones in i think there's a big difference there uh for me obviously hiking sounds much more appealing but you can probably find this in any any form of an activity that you enjoy that you can kind of take your mind out of for a while um i think a couple years back i interviewed on the show one of my friends uh one of my best friends from growing up named jake reed uh he's a professor at northern university of northern iowa and (laughs) after the show he starts telling me about his how he loves to build legos and like he buys all the like really complicated lego sets and he'll just spend an hour every night like trying to put it together and i was talking to him like man that's amazing but kind of hilarious too and he's like yeah it just it's so nice just sitting there and something gives you directions And you go and do those directions and it's that simple and you can take your mind off of literally everything else and you're like I'm just gonna sit here for a while and not think I'm gonna let the instruction book do the thinking for me and build build this thing so you know it's any activity any activity you find enjoyable but I think there is something to be said about trying to and attempting to turn off your brain and having purpose behind it and really just being like, okay, this is an activity where I'm just going to totally, um, you know, totally just go 100% in and not think about anything else during that time. So, um, yeah, Paul said that in the show and I've really been thinking about it over the last week and trying to find space in my life where I can apply that idea, uh, which I think is really important. Um, I also got to say after talking to Paul, I find it really hard not to nerd out about movies and TV shows <laughs> and writing uh, because that fascinates me. And I know during the race, Paul and I talked a lot about, you know, all of that stuff, which was super cool. And um, but I was, I was like, man, I really want to ask him you know, about writing specifically and all this stuff. But I thought it would be, I think also coming from the angle of how does running tie into a writer's career? Because I I don't know. I just always think a writer's career, you know, it just, it seems like one of those things that is freeing. I think it's like one of those, I think about writers and I'm like, those guys are just living their life freely, you know, like I don't, they, they get to do, they get to work on their own schedule and, and, you know, write when they want to write and all this stuff. And, you know, talking to Paul, obviously I'm going to have misconceptions about it because part of his thing is like, no, you got to show up every day, treat it like a job, uh, in the fact that you're going to have a schedule and you're going to have like, a task that you're trying to accomplish um 
which is awesome, man. And it's why he's been so successful, which is so cool. Um, that's, and it's, yeah, it's just really, it's really interesting to me. And it's for people out there who are thinking about going on an ultra marathon adventure or like an ultra endurance adventure kind of deal, like the people you meet and the diverse group of strangers who will soon become friends because you're all mutually suffering together and you're all mutually supporting each other because the ultra running community is like incredibly supportive of of everyone's goals um the people you meet is just it's people from every background you could possibly imagine you know and it's so interesting it's so interesting talking about different careers and different paths people have taken in their lives and and what led them to this big crazy event where you're running for miles and miles and you have you have hours and hours to talk about stuff because there's literally nothing else to do except keep going forward and you got a buddy next to you so you're like hey man we're gonna connect uh, that's one of the biggest takeaways i've gotten ultra running is finding this sense of community and and a sense of community in the in like the idea of everyone's out there because we love running and we love exploring and getting outdoors and all that. But, but also at the same time, it's like we're you'll meet completely different people from yourself, but you're sharing the same goal and it allows you guys to connect on a different level than you would normally uh, with strangers in regular life, I guess. So, uh, I forgot where I was going there. I'm going to kind of wrap it up right now. And I, that was just a long way of me saying like, Paul, you're awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, can't wait to run with you again, which is hopefully fairly soon. And, uh, and yeah, man, have another super awesome adventure. Um, for you guys listening out there, if this is your first one, check us out. Uh, there's a bunch of episodes. The other one, like I said at the beginning, I'll just repeat it really quick right now. Paul was also on episode number 101. Um, and I think you'll really, I know it's another story like that he shared that really stuck with me there too, where in the middle of the desert, you're really suffering at that point, And then a fellow racer gives up some of their own water to help you out. And it's a, a really beautiful story in that one. So yeah, check that out. All right, guys, we will be back at you next week. We'll talk to you then.